Hey, everybody, here's the newest episode of The Daily Thread. We spoke to four different individuals together, actually, uh, from the New York area who went and volunteered. They flew to Israel and they volunteered for Zaka. Um, so just wanted to give a little bit of a trigger warning. There are very sensitive topics, even sometimes gory details discussed in this episode. Um, but here it is. You know, even though we've been talking about it, uh, and we, in the immediate aftermath of their uh, coming back from Israel, we uh, offered to do a show about it. Uh, at that time, they just could not talk. Uh, and a couple of weeks have passed, and uh, we've been speaking, and um, uh, whoever wants to start, Jesse, you want to give us a little bit of a background on what you guys did and how you got there and what you, what you dealt with once you arrived in Eretz Yisrael? Sure. So um, we're all uh, Chesed volunteers here. Three of us are from uh, Shomrim, from the RNSP, and all four of us work uh, well volunteer for uh, Chesed Shalamis here. And we all felt uh, a burning need to get to Eretz Yisrael to help our brethren. Because um, if we can do it here, why can't we do it there? Because Baruch Hashem, there's so many people volunteering, but not everyone has a stomach for this. And we all decided that we wanted to go. And the interesting thing is that some of us were trying to go without others even knowing, and uh, our paths crossed, and um, people donated for our kits. People, uh, one person, one family donated an apartment for us, mm -hmm. and uh, the money paid for our car, our transportation, which was a lot of driving. Um, it was a lot more difficult than any of us expected. I think I'm speaking for everybody. How long after the October 7th attack uh, did you uh, arrive in, in Israel? We were there about two weeks. Uh, two weeks. The last week of October. Two weeks after? About two weeks after. Was... Two weeks after. So what, uh, what were you expected to do? And um, what does, what, what, how did your background of what you do here help you? And what exactly uh, did you uh, uh, have to deal with once you were there? And what was it that you thought... Uh, was more difficult to deal with than you had anticipated. We we've been down to when when Surfside happened, we went down to, to help out with Surfside. Right. So we were familiar with it. We also obviously, COVID was you know something that we had to deal with, but this was on a scale that we've never experienced before. Um, it was the places they brought us to. You you, you never you know these these were people's homes. You know Surfside was you know a destroyed building. <clears throat> where there was just nothing, you know, left except for rubble. Here, you had you were walking into people's homes. You you saw, you know, toys. You saw clothing. You saw people's lives, you know, right there that were completely destroyed. It wasn't like anything that we've ever experienced before. Okay, but you were you were there to uh, help Zaka uh, do uh, what yeah, they're, we, they're known to do. We went we went to go help. First of all, to give him chizuk. Right. You know, and, and we knew that we wanted, you know, we told them that when we came that we're only coming there to help them. We, we wanted to give some relief to some of the guys that have been there already for two weeks. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I can't imagine what they, from what we saw, you know, was, was nothing compared to what they were dealing with. And we, I think we were able to come in and, and give them a little bit of relief, you know, so some of the guys can go home and spend time with their families, maybe a little bit, you know. Okay. And, so, so, um, uh, um. Michael, there's, there's two things I want to deal with, okay? I want you to be able to 
describe what you saw uh, um, in, uh, in, in within the parameters of uh, what you think uh, um, people would understand, number one. And number two, I want to contrast with that, that here we are seven weeks later, and you have a world that is critical of Israel and critical of what they're doing in Gaza, even going to the extent uh, of saying that what you saw firsthand and what you had to deal with didn't take place, that it didn't happen, that uh, it's uh, something that's been imagined or created. What do you what do you think and what do you feel when you hear that from, you know, the people at uh, Harvard uh, and, and at uh, United, University of Pennsylvania and Columbia and all those uh, pro Hamas rallies that we see on the news every night? They they seem to claim that show us the proof. We're we're, we're firsthand. We're, we're telling them firsthand. We were there. We saw it. We we smelt it. We were completely you know hands deep in it. You know, sometimes even even elbow deep in it. This was this was hard that 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 no one could possibly possibly even imagine. I mean, uh, it, it's 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 not something that you know. It, I I almost understand that people can't believe it because it doesn't make sense that a human being could do it to another human being. That could be one of the reasons why the critics of Israel, or natural critics of Israel, think that it's something that's easy to say didn't take place. Because it's so unbelievable and so defies what the mind can grasp that, on the other hand, it might be easy to say, um, you know, uh, they're making that stuff up. Um, but but you were there, so tell me what you what was the most difficult thing that you had to do? Okay, people, you know, people were murdered, you know, bodies were mutilated, that people were cut up, and we've read about it, uh, we've heard about it. But some some for some reason, when you hear that in Rwanda there's a civil war. And a million people were killed. We accepted that a million people were killed, and we go on. But somehow, when you hear that uh, 1,400 uh, Jews were murdered, uh, somehow there's place uh, in people's uh, psyche to be able to um, live with the fact that maybe it didn't really take uh, place. John, I mean, I, I just want to point out one thing. So my name is John John Shetrit. Uh, I just want to point out something. So we're, we're four men. We are not politicians. We are not in politics in any way, shape, or form. We do not have uh, history majors in Israel politics, foreign policy. We're four guys that dropped our lives, Americans, and got on a plane and flew to Israel. And we, we're talking about our firsthand experience. We're not even talking about politics. So before we even discuss, you know, what the world believes, doesn't believe, it, it says something to say that we are all, um, we are married men with children. We are businessmen. And th this is a story of what we experienced. And that says something also, you know, for Americans that went. We're not just talking behind a screen and a keyboard warrior. We're telling you what we saw. You know, we flew to Israel. We got there. We went right to, we went right to the hotel. We prayed. We got together with the people in charge of Zaka. And we saw real people with real yellow vests, with real trauma in their eyes. And the next morning, we went, we went to sleep for a few hours. And we got up super, super early. And the four of us, we drove all the way to a checkpoint in the middle of nowhere by the Gaza border. And as we got there, you start to realize the city goes behind us and the security and the safety of our American homes go behind us. And all the BS typing and words of the people that don't know anything, that also disappears. You know, when you're there, you don't feel the, you don't feel the politics. You don't feel the people's, you know, I don't believe you. 
it's okay. So you don't believe me. You know, I also don't believe that you, that you don't believe I have kids. Okay. You know, sure. You know, you don't believe me. The, all that disappears when you hear and you feel the, vi the vibrations of the ground. And as we get close, we see the real army and the army's there and they're, they're putting us in, in a circle and telling us, listen, guys, from this point forward, there's no guarantee that you're safe and you feel it and you hear the bombs, you feel it in your, in your organs, in your lungs. You don't see it far away on TV. You feel it and you start to smell it and you start to feel the tension. And they have close security detail now, an escort with army vehicles in front of us and behind us with less than one inch in between our cars. And there's vests and there's helmets and we're slowly driving closer to the kibbutzim. And all the pictures and the videos that we've seen for the past couple of weeks are brought to life. You pass by right where the parties were and you see the clothing on the floor. You see cars that are half melted and burnt down. You see, and these are pictures that we took ourselves that we have. You see melted, melted tires. You see ditches in the ground on the field where the rockets hit the ground and we're not intercepted by the Iron Dome. And we start going closer and you start to see where the kibbutzim, exactly where the terrorists broke in. You see where the fence is smashed down, where one of the big caterpillar trucks went ahead and broke down the fences and you walk in and all of a sudden the bullets and the smell, the smell of death comes into your nose. You know, as, as we smell the rotting flesh of our brothers and sisters, we're not thinking about what are the people in, what are the 22 year old kids who can't even tell time on a clock? Whether, what am I going to say to them when they don't believe me? You know what I'm saying? I'm just, I'm yeah, just trying to explain that as we're there, and you're feeling it for real, and your, your hair is starting to stand up, and you start thinking about your life is not so guaranteed at this moment because you feel how dangerous it is. You know, the last thing in our mind is, you know, is it true or is it not true? Okay, so, you know, Zaka is reaching out uh, to, to supporters here in the United States, said they need more vehicles, they need more help. Uh, they're still working down there. The bodies of the people that were murdered were recovered, but, you know, Zaka's specialty is that... Uh, the objective is to bury bodies whole. So they're looking for things like blood uh, tissue from some of the uh, bodies so that they could be buried with, uh, with the person who, uh, who, was, uh, who was murdered. I, I had uh, heard this morning, by the way, that I saw a report from, from Zaka. They are burying hundreds of cars that people were slaughtered in because they're are so many human remains on these cars. Yeah, probably thousands. A lot, cars, a lot of the cars, some of the cars you could clean and some cars you couldn't clean. Some of them were charred to the point where you don't know the difference between human remains and just the car charred. So at some point, the whole car is human remains. Also, you have to realize that when we got there, step one, was the army going in, making sure it was safe to take the bodies out because the terrorists put, you know, grenades, live grenades under the bodies. Mm. So they had to clear all the ammunition out. They went in quickly, under fire, took the bodies out. The way they stepped in, that was the way they stepped out. Uh, yeah, that's it. And everything was closed up after that. We, we came in to that scene of the body quickly pulled out and closed up. So when you come in, you're, there's going to be body parts, there's going to be parts of skulls and skin and, and hair and, and pools and pools of blood. And I mean, it's, it's literally everything but the body that they were able to quickly pull out. 
the cars were a big issue because they, they what happened was that they were so burnt. Some of the cars they knew that there was someone in there, and so and they took the body out. But other ones they didn't know. They, they were when uh, Jesse and I were, were going in on our last day. They were bringing in, I mean, truckload after truckload after truckload of cars, and a lot of them were just burnt where there was nothing left. And they sometimes they flip it over, and we were finding body parts on the floor. Right. So and then this, we were, we were, this is the first time in Israel's history that they had to do such a thing. They had to bury cars. That's that's something that that Zaka had reported. And we, we don't discuss this because we're trying to get people to be nauseous about the fact that people need to bear witness to what animals we're dealing with here and what actually happened. And, and you guys were, Meister and FS, you put your, your lives online and went out there um, to help. Um, and what you saw and had to smell and hear is probably things that you'll never forget. I want to speak to you a little bit about um, the aftermath. Maybe when you're on the plane on the way home, how do you, what do you do with, with the images? What do you do with the thoughts? How do you deal with that? Listen, everyone, everyone deals with it differently, but um, some things are not comprehensible. Meaning the world very easily says it never happened because even for us that we were there, it's hard to comprehend that people can do these, do this to other people. So I, you know, I think, all of us, if I could speak for all of us, we went back and kind of, like Micha said, put it in a box and then slowly went through that box to process out all those feelings. And we've met with the Zaka members here in the U.S., processed with them as well. They were here. Um, it's it's a lot to it's a lot to just comprehend because it's not it's not a re, it's not regular reality that you kind of mix it into. We, yeah, we've been getting. We get together once a week, and we try and you know we get we have to sit down, we have dinner, and we we schmooze. We just talk about it. There's also trauma therapists out there that uh, volunteers her time for Zaka, for Shomrim, for Hatzala, for whoever needs it. And I know personally, I felt the need to speak to her. That was actually part of the deal that I made with my wife. When I went, I would have to talk to someone. Um, because people aren't necessarily super in touch with what's going to happen afterwards. And I know that I needed that after processing what happened to me in Sandy. I ended up uh, doing exactly what she told me to. She said to write it down because it helps get things out. Because you have to process somehow. You have to find a way to process in your own way. There's no way to just put things in a box and have nothing ever. One of the things we did, they brought us to this open desert where all the cars were lined up. And, it, and, and like Micha said, we're on a hunt. Is the craziest one of the craziest experiences of my life, where you go into a car and you see tons of cars. Some of them are brand new, some of them are are destroyed, and you stick your head in the door and you smell for death. And you imagine there's 500 cars, and you're going one car at a time. You stick your head in, and you're, and you're searching for death. And while this is happening, you're in such a mission mode, 100% mission. While this is happening, boom, another missile, boom, another rocket, boom another missile and it, and there's so much input there's so much going on and you can't process any of it and you're just working 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 and then all of a sudden after so much trauma and so much stress on the brain we go back to our our beds you know like I, me personally there was no sleeping in israel at all if you could ask the guys um there's you know and they, they get together we get together we talk the problem is when you're by yourself you know a lot of times we're very 
busy with constantly distracting ourselves. So when we're together, it's great. And the Zaka guys get together. There's music and there's food and there's a ton of eating. Like there's a lot of eating. It helps, believe it or not, the comfort of the yeah. food. But when you're by yourself, you start to think and you realize the, the insanity and the perversion and how sad and how painful, you know, there's, in, the, in the cars, there's high chairs and there's toys and there's little, little lollipops. I went to get a keychain for my kid and I saw the same keychain for sale that they had in the car with blood all over the floor and, and bones. And it, it's, it's, it's very difficult. You know, there's no answer. There's no easy answer. There is no way to process it because it shouldn't happen. Well, John, it, it becomes clearer listening to you guys. It becomes clearer why uh, the media that uh, tries to dance, tries to tries to cover what actually happened and tries to communicate what actually happened there has to dance around it because um, I don't know if the words have been invented yet to be able to go to the place that, that, that you've been. Uh, you've experienced it, but I don't know if we can successfully or effectively express um uh, uh what it is i really think you guys should be testifying uh, in front of one of those committees uh in, in yeah I, I was with yossi lando on sunday night in manhattan and you know for a good occasion by a concert we're benefiting zaka and it was very nice but you look at look at his face and look broken he, he's a broke he's a broken he's a broken person you know the things that he had to see and, and witness and he and he did testify in front of a committee and things that you had to see and witness you know it's it's just it's unimaginable that this happened it's like i think uh, mika said it that human beings did this to other human beings it's just not comprehensible it's just not comprehensible this, this this is not a kind of thing that anybody could do so i mean what is it about you guys that inspired you to step up and get involved in something that you knew was going to be as very minimal, uh, difficult, and, and complex to, to actually step, step up and get involved. For me, it was, you know, for me, it was connecting with those souls who were so tortured and turned apart to be able to go back there and tell those souls, we'll put you back together. Because to explain how hell is like a nice day. This is like the deepest, deepest, deepest parts of hell that happened there. And, you know, what my experience was connecting, collecting them literally and putting them back together and kind of having their soul go back to peace. Um, I'm sure everyone had a different experience, but for me, you know, I really connected to that. For me, it was a, it was a cover. It's a real cover to be able to to work to to like Isaac said, put people back together. But to have covered a maze for for all these kadoshim that were there, the it was it's it's a real it was. I, I think that was a driving force. But I, you also felt we were sitting here, you know, collecting money for other things and making sure that they were you know collecting for bulletproof vests and 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 helmets and whatever else we could. It felt like you weren't doing enough. You know, I had a friend of mine who said that he'd be going with us, but he's a commercial real estate broker. You know, I don't think they're selling any any real estate yet. Yeah. But I, at least this is something that we knew we could do. Yeah. Yeah. What, what people don't understand, sometimes they don't realize, is when you're on the other side of the screen at home watching the news or all you're getting is bad with no positive. So you see the most horrific things and you're not doing anything. But when you see something horrible, but you know you're helping, and you say, okay, what right do I have not to help because it's horrible? It's horrible for them too. But at least we have the beauty and the unbelievable honor 
of doing something for them while it hurts, we could also do something positive. So in a way, it's, you know, almost, you know, easier is not the right word, but in a way, it's more meaningful than just consuming, you know, on the other side of glass. If if you knew, if you guys, if you guys could go back in time, knowing what you know now and what you had to see and smell and deal with, would you, would you still go? Would you do it again? I would do it again and again. Hell yeah, man. Absolutely. We would have gone earlier. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I want to go back uh, before we conclude, uh, Nati. If uh, so, I mean, Nati's gonna—we're gonna edit this. He's gonna post it probably later today. It'll be heard by you know a few tens of thousands of people around the world. And some people are gonna criticize him. Say, how could you, you know, air something uh, that's so disturbing uh, like that? Uh, what what would you respond if, if someone said that? To your There's family? no real way to um, put this in a nice way. I left out 99% of the disturbing parts in this video, in this in this podcast, or however this is being presented. I only go told you guys 1%. If you guys wanted disturbing images of what was there, then you know we could give that too. But this is the just the 1%. You know we couldn't make this was the cleanest way to do it. There's nothing. Yeah. Else. Also, there were, there was another there's another side to this as well. Besides the fact that we were there and we were um, dealing with the Zaka portion, every one of the guys on Zaka knew us as the Americans, and they gave us a hug because they appreciated that we didn't live there. We guys said, "Oh, you were just here for vacation and you came to help." Like, no, 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 we came for this purpose to help. And the fact that a Yid would come from the other side of the planet to deal with some of the most difficult things imaginable meant the world to them. We had Israeli soldiers, which usually it's the American tourists that go to the Israeli soldiers and they go, oh, can you smile for a picture with me? We had soldiers saying, you're the Americans that came? I need to get a picture with you. It just brought so much chizik to these people to see yeah. the, the, the Achtas and Klal that wasn't necessarily around before this, which could be why we needed a patch. Yeah, well, what a patch. But I would tell these guys to put the cheese Danish down, you know, put the cupcake Take off your little fluffy slippers and feel a little pain for your brothers and sisters in Israel because there are still people suffering and it's okay for us to hurt a little as long as we could put it into something positive. I mean, listen, after World War II, Eisenhower, he went in and they, they, they took pictures of everything that was going on there. They beat the Germans, helped them bury the dead. I mean, they want to get up and go do something, go do it. Or they can listen to us and take it from our from our mouths. We're, we're telling them the truth. We're, this is completely honest. We're holding back a lot of the worst stuff. But if we if if we're not a testament to it, to what happened there, then uh, they have to go down. All right, I think I think it might be important sometime in the future. You know, when you when you de- when you can deal with these things, that maybe we should think of a way to talk about uh, for the benefit of the world at large that has space in their heads to deny that such a thing happened um, here. You know, in this in 2023, hopefully, maybe sometime in the future, we could uh, figure out a way how to. Uh, talk about um, the details of uh, uh, what you saw as as a as a as a therapy session for uh, for the um, not, not for the not for you not for one hundred percent. It wasn't just you know it wasn't just emotionally hard. You have to remember it was for safety wise. You know we're middle of cleaning a house and we have to run for our lives because there's a rocket coming towards us. We got to get on the ground and hide so we don't get killed. How many times did that happen when you were there? It happened three times the first day. Yeah, We were so close to Gaza that they don't have a siren. Over a radio, someone says, Seva Adom, and you're told you have five seconds. 
So either you jump into a mikloch that's right next to you, or you hit the floor and cover your head. And hope that you don't were, become a walking torso. Rockets were, were being blown up from Iron Dome right above us. I mean, we saw the pieces falling down. <laughs> All right, listen, uh, it's uh, it's difficult to hear, but I think that's, uh, that's a, but as difficult as it is, it's important uh, to hear. And then I'm very happy you guys decided to come forward and, and share with us um, what uh, what you experienced. Uh, so th again, thank you for, for representing you American American Jews and, and going there. I mean, it's a, you guys did a, a great service for, for everyone here in America. Um, you, you represented us, so thank you.